morning, and thank you for joining me once again. If you've got a Bible, it's handy uh, to do this. Uh, take it and open it to the New Testament book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 2. Uh, we're going to read, uh, beginning in verse 5, we're going to read through verse 11 as we continue to think about from unbelief to belief, answering the question specifically, what is the gospel? And we have emphasized that uh, the gospel is God's work. It is God's activity in the person and through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we've been speaking about the realities of the God-man, the one uh, Savior, the one name given among men by which we must be saved. And so uh, we began yesterday in the Gospel of John chapter 1, and I've talked about uh, passages that Uh, definitively without any kind of argument about what is meant, by what is said, uh, these passages present Jesus Christ as uniquely the Son of God, fully God, fully man. And uh, again, in in speaking of the gospel and presenting the gospel to unbelievers, uh, they must believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that he is uniquely the God-man, the the singular, unique uh, Savior. And so uh, they could ask the question, well, was Jesus really God? Did he really think he was God? Is that what we're to think? Well, uh, that's exactly what the Bible presents, and the Bible uh, uh, is true. It makes true factual uh, statements, the, the truth that conforms to the reality of exactly who Jesus is. And we've talked about uh, a bit about the trustworthiness of the Bible. We may come back and revisit that again uh, in future days. But let's look at how Paul states uh, something of the essence of this person, the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, uh, who he was, and in a sense, what he was uniquely, the God-man. Verse 5, Philippians 2. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, this particular statement, this doctrinal formulation, and some people think of uh, a portion of this at least as something of an early confession, possibly even an early hymn uh, that was sung in the, uh, in the early church. And so Paul is making an exhortation because of uh, who Jesus uh, was and what he accomplished, uh, that you are to be imitators of Christ. You are to think as Christ. And he begins with this uh, great uh, truth uh, that although he eternally existed as God, and when it says the form of God, it doesn't form sometimes to us suggests something that looks like something but really isn't that thing. Now, form here does not mean Jesus looked uh, you know, kind of looked like God, but he really wasn't. It means that he looked exactly like God because that is what he was. If you saw God, if you saw Jesus before his incarnation, you would have gone, that's God. Uh, that is God. Of course, uh, you would have dried up and blown away or whatever. You could not have uh, handled the glory of God in your finitude. But hypothetically speaking, 
Prior to his incarnation, Jesus looked like the glorious God because he was the glorious God, but he did not grasp to that glory and to those privileges of his Godhead or his Godhood and actually uh, abandoned that glorious uh, uh, reality, not divesting himself of his deity or his divinity, but he took upon himself human flesh in the incarnation, uh, the divine and uh, the, uh, uh, the realities of humanity were joined together in a mysterious way that we, maybe we don't fully understand, but we can simply say that Jesus is 100% God and he's 100% man. And if there's going to be a gospel, that is absolutely essential. Not he's a hybrid, a half-breed, 50-50, but he's fully God and he's fully man. And he did this for the express purpose of Revealing the Father, uh, revealing uh, the great uh, truths of grace and truth uh, for people to, to come to know uh, God. Uh, but fundamentally and essentially what Paul says here in verse 8, he took on humanity to become obedient to death. That, uh, that uh, in eternity past that uh, the Father had determined that he would send the Son because of his love for both the Son and for humanity, and that the Son would be glorified in claiming a people out of this world for himself. He would lay claim to them by his death on the cross, and the realities of that accomplishment would be applied uh, to his people by the working of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, and God would be glorified in this great unified act of the Trinity in the accomplishment of uh, redemption. And this was done so that every knee would acknowledge the Lordship, the divinity of Jesus Christ. I've said it many times before. In a sense, the choice is yours. You will bow the knee. The question is not, will all men bow the knee to the lordship, to the greatness, to the glory, to the power, to the authority, to the magnificence of God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It is, they will do it. Will you do it willingly because you have heard and believed the gospel and you recognize Jesus as Lord and Savior? Or will you do it just as you hear the words, depart from me, I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. But every knee will bow and it will be for the glory of God himself that all will agree. We will say together that indeed the God-man, the one who emptied himself, the one that was eternally glorious, glorious, that forsook that glory for a time to take on our humanity for the sake of redemption, that he indeed is Christ the Lord. And God will be glorified, and he is glorified, in the realities of the incarnate Son and the accomplishment of the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ, namely the gospel. So essential to the gospel is what Jesus has done, and what he has done is significant because of who he is. He is uniquely the incarnate God, the second person of the Trinity, the one that divested himself of the privileges of deity for the sake of of redemption for the purpose of God being glorified in this great work of redemption. So I pray that this is a blessing to your day, and I look forward to seeing you once again tomorrow. <music>